This week, we're talking about one of the most fundamental technologies underpinning today's data protection systems, and that's replication. What is it? How is it different than other methods? And if it's so great, why don't we just use it for everything? And of course, what's the difference between synchronous and asynchronous, and why does that matter? Hi, I'm W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I've dedicated my 30-year career to helping people like you keep your data safe from all that would do it harm. This is the Backup Wrap-Up. Welcome to the show. With me, as always, is a guy who seems to never be happy until I have problems. Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, I'm good. I'm just trying to think what problems do you have right now? I'm talking about, I'm trying to edit the podcast, and you're giving me problems about my network. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, yep, what I do. You need someone to ask the hard questions. Somebody's got to do it. The network's going all right. Those that have followed, I do have this new tool. I have um, the uh, Firewalla. Version 125 of Curtis's home network architecture. <laughs> yeah, but I now have this Firewalla that gives me uh, a lot more information than I had before. And unfortunately, it verified my new ISP's thing that I use too much internet and I have to buy the unlimited package, which is sad because it's another 50 bucks a month. But anyway, so let's get to the news of the week. I'm going to let you take the first story. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one is an article that came out recently. It is about a backup company. I guess, would you call them backup or data protection company that recently raised a round of funding. It's called Alcyon. Um, I actually used to work with the founder previously at an old job. And they actually raised a round of funding. And it was actually led by Veeam, which is interesting because Veeam, as we all know, is also a backup company. And they are investing in Alcyon, who is primarily targeting backups for Microsoft 365 for SMB customers. Today, that's their initial target market. I'd say the, the biggest difference between the two companies, one is a software product, the other is a SaaS offering, and th that makes them very different. And I guess Veeam felt that it was different enough. I, I like the quote in the article, it said something along the lines of that, that from Veeam that this problem of ransomware is a big enough problem that we're going to need the whole industry to solve yeah. it. And so they invested in what is essentially, I would call it a partial yeah. competitor, right? They do compete for the Microsoft 365 space. I also know the founder as well. And I, th I think they've taken a, an interesting angle with a very AI-based approach, a very security-based approach. Yeah. And one of the things I'm actually looking forward to is seeing if this is going to force other vendors to reconsider how they approach the problem. And everyone in all the vendors raise a bar when it comes to ransomware protection and detection and other things like that, which we all need, yeah, right? <laughs> Anybody that's listened to this show knows that we're concerned about that problem. 
my second news story. It's from the Enterprise Strategy Group, which for the, those of you who have known ESG for a while, they were a few years ago acquired by Tech Target. And there was a 2023 survey of IT professionals. The most interesting number that I see here is that they said 65% of the almost 400 respondents said their organization were using some sort of cloud-based backup system. And the way they worded it, that could be either a cloud-based service or they're storing a copy of their backups in the cloud. That, to me, really, that that's a very different number, oh, wouldn't yeah. you say, than and, oh, two years ago? Yeah, everyone would be like, I don't trust my data in the cloud. How do I get my data up into the cloud and bring it back? And all the rest of that. In fact, I think one of the interesting things was even just the title of the article, right? It's like cloud backup and disaster recovery evolved toward maturity. You know, that just kind of says it all, right? Versus before you're fighting tooth and nail with customers trying to persuade them, hey, it's okay to store your data in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. So the, the not so good number was <laughs> they're saying that half of the surveyed orgs recovered 75% or less of their cloud data per incident on average. That sounds really bad. But that is not, I agree with Christoph Bertrand, which said that's just not yeah. acceptable for but, such a mission But I guess problem. the question I would have is, it would be, we probably need to compare that to what's your recovery rate of on-premises backups, because that's not going to be 100%. And then I think it's also not right. fair to compare it because- how long has traditional backups been around and had time to evolve versus cloud backups, right? It hasn't had that time to evolve and mature fully as these other products. Yeah, I would say that part having formerly worked at a cloud data protection vendor, I would think that the, the, the problem that I see with this number is that they do conflate people storing backups in the cloud versus people using a cloud service. I would be very surprised to learn that people that are using a fully cloud-based service, if they if their yeah. recoveries failed, because the other, it's really, the, the, the cloud just happens to be a part of it. All of the same sort of misconfiguration problems that lead to problems with traditional backup are going to bleed over into a cloud setup just because you're using cloud is it it's make the that cloud it's magical come on curtis <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is magic the one other interesting number from this survey there, and there were some other interesting numbers but just for brevity purposes this other interesting number they said 16 percent of the respondents said that they reviewed their their cloud data protection strategies annually that is, that's a very different number than back in the day. Back in the day, that number was like five years, maybe three years, certainly not annually. Backup historically has been an incredibly sticky process. And this idea that they would review it annually, I, I think is a pretty I think deal. it also makes sense though, because you like with the five-year, three-year, five-year, right? You have to worry about hardware depreciation, right? Upgrade cycles, all the rest. With cloud, right, there might be new technologies, cheaper ways to do things, right? Your workloads might change. What you had running on-premises might be migrated to the cloud. Now you have to reconsider, how do I back it up? And so I think that's probably why looking at these things more frequently, like annually, probably is starting to make a lot more sense. 
Well, that is the news of the day. On this episode of the Backup to Basics series, we're going to be talking about replication, different kinds of replication, the good things, the bad things, and what they, you know, what they have to do with backup and is it a backup? I thought you were going to talk what? about like the replication technologies that they have in like Star Trek and right <laughs> where it's like create me. <laughs> no, that's that's not replication. That's what is that called? What are those things? The transporters? No, the thing. Oh, that, oh no! The, the make it the making the stuff right. The food. Do they call them replicators? replicators. Yeah, I think they call them replicators. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are we are not discussing replicators like in Star Trek. Although that does those do sound magical, by yes. the way. And by the way, like if you can do transporters, of course you can do replicators, right? Yeah. Because all replicators are is storing a backup copy of the food and then saying this is what it is, right? Do you um, think that they have backups of those backups? Of the the copies? Yeah, no, of the copies of the food. Because imagine you wipe out the copies and then you basically killed off humanity because they wouldn't have any way to make food. I don't, I don't, I don't or maybe they're immutable <laughs> or maybe they're immutable copies, you know, or maybe they're immutable copies. I, I would, I would hope that no one can go in and change the food before it gets replicated. Um, onto a more serious <laughs> matter. <laughs> onto a more serious matter. Well, so we, we've moved on the, the previous episodes. We talked about sort of regular kind of backups and th they were, they were backups that require a restore basically is, is what we were talking about. We've now moved on to types of backups where the restore is essentially already done, right? Um, and replication, and, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm putting these, and, and by the way, you know, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, we are basically working our way through this book, Modern Data Protection, which is my book, which is available, you know, wherever books are sold. And, um, you know, I might even put a, put a link in the show description there. Um, and the idea here is what we're talking about is methods of backup. And again, remember when I say backup, I, I'm very broad in that term. Methods of backup that support instant recovery. What, do you want to talk about what instant recovery is? Yeah. So normally when you think about, you took a backup, you need to, Something happens, you need to get back your data, right? If you had your data stored on tape, you got to go fetch the tape, you got to pull the data off of tape, copy it somewhere else, and now you actually have your data and you can do something with it, right? With instant recovery, it's really your data is already available for you. You don't have to have any sort of processing that you have to do before you can actually start accessing your data. Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. I think that... Maybe I dream that sometime in the future, this is the way all restores will be done, right? And and the cloud yeah. really does make this possible. We could talk about that all day long, but but we just need to work through the different ways that um, we're going to create an always on readily available copy of the data. And the first that we're going to talk about wait, is- rep Before you what? get there though, I think one important point to cover is, I know you said in the future, maybe everything will be like this. 
Uh-huh. Right. I think if you had a gazillion dollars, yes. <laughs> right. Because there is a cost associated, right. Which I think is important to cover. Right. With sort of using these various technologies that might make it more difficult. Now, like you said, maybe the cloud helps with some of these, but there is still a cost associated with keeping data on something that is instantly available versus say using a tape or some sort of offline media where the cost may not be just the cost of the storage, but think about from power, cooling, right? All those other aspects as well. Yeah, I was speaking in the future when these problems have all been solved. (laughs) Um, I, I think even today that there are services, there are cloud storage services that if used properly and judiciously can provide you a ready to go copy of your data for pennies on the dollar that costs you, you know, next to nothing to, to have and to possess and to have it ready to go, you will then pay through the nose if you use them. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I'm thinking, of course, of like Glacier, Deep Archive, Instant Recovery. Yep. Right. There, there are services that are still storing the data on disk, but storing it in such a way. I don't know. We don't. You know, not, neither of us have ever worked at AWS or any of the cloud providers, but they're storing it in such a way that they've made it so cheap to 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 have that copy, to have it offsite, to yeah. have it in, you know, in another region. I just think that as that continues to happen, that we will eventually get to a place where all DR copies can be held like this. I get, can I have a dream, Rosanna? Can I have a dream? Yeah, you can have a dream. But I think, yeah. but, yes, but before, sorry, before we also continue on, I think we also need to define what we mean when we say instant, right? Because instant, when we say, what? When we say instant recovery, oh. right? I think it's helpful yeah. to talk about that because instant is a spectrum, right? Like you were talking about for your Glacier instant restore feature, right? It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, I want my data. It's available within like snap my fingers, it's there, right? It does take time, but that time may be acceptable to you, right? It might be, say, minutes, not days. Right. Yeah. So instant (laughs) is kind of like continuous. It's a binary condition. It's sort of like immutable. It's a binary condition. It's like pregnancy, right? You're either pregnant or you're not. And so it's either instant or it's not. But it's yet another one of these terms where it's not truly binary, Yeah. right? It's just... We're defining instant recovery in this point is I don't need to do a restore to do the recovery. The data has already been restored. It might take a few minutes to make it accessible to me. But yeah, sorry. Um, And and just for people who may not have heard our previous episodes, do you want to quickly cover differences between restore and recovery since you just talked about it? A restore is essentially the act of bringing back the you know the data and, and putting it in place. The recovery is the process of sort of bringing that data online and, and using it. And and sometimes that recovery involves massaging other things. It involves massaging the data, and it involves doing other things. When you're done with the recovery, 
everything is working again. <laughs> when you're done with the restore, everything is ready to be working again. Uh, so depending on how good or how complicated the restore is, the two may be, they, they may happen at the same time, but yeah. in a complicated situation, you do the restore and then you do the recovery. Okay. In this case, uh, the recovery would be this instant of, um, you know, like I said, just everything's ready to go or sorry, everything has is available. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't have to do a restore. Yeah. And I would say that in a true instant recovery, the size of the, of the thing being recovered should not be a factor. Whereas mm -hmm. in a restore, it very much is. Yeah. A oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, <laughs> we're going to talk about the first method that could be used and, and is used actually it is used quite a bit to do an instant recovery. Now, as we often do on this show, let me take you back in the day. <laughs> yeah, so back in the day, there was a very sharp dividing line between backup and recovery and disaster recovery. And for backup and recovery, for what we also call operational recovery, you had a backup system. You went to tape, and and when you did a restore, you you came back out. You came back off of tape. Anyone with a tight recovery time objective would never build uh, their DR system based on tape back in the day, yeah. right? Even as we move to disk-based backup and recovery systems, anybody with a tight RTO is not going to build their disaster recovery system built on having to do a restore first, yeah. right? And so back in the day, if you worked at like a financial trading firm or something like that, and you wanted to have a disaster recovery plan, because of course you wanted that because you had the OCC that was looking into you and you know, they could say yeah. we're not a bank, right? You used replication. Yep. You had a backup and recovery system that did operational recoveries and file recoveries and maybe even recovering an entire server. But if you had data that truly mattered, you used replication. And and I, I know you worked at a company that Yeah, that was my first job out of out of college. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about what replication is. Uh, how does it typically manifest itself? Do you want to just yeah, sort yeah. of define what replication is? Yeah. So replication is basically taking data making a copy and sending it off to some other system, right? At a mm -hmm. high level. Now there's various nuances and combinations that other system could be the exact same vendor, the same model, all the rest as the original. It could be a different vendor, right? A different system, right? So there are different ways you could do it. There are different protocols for transferring that data. You could use protocols that some of these vendors have built in for communicating between them to make things more efficient. Because when you have to send data across from one system to another, doing it over and over, because it's not like it's a one-time operation, right? Depending. Yeah. If I could interrupt, I think that's one word missing from your definition. If I could insert at the beginning of your definition, the word continuously. Yeah. Right. Because anybody can copy the data over. I think replication yeah. implies that we're continuously copying it over. The idea is that it that it's happening all the time. Yes. Right? Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about the difference between asynchronous and synchronous. 
So sorry for the confusion for those, but basically you, you have some data, you know, in A and you, and you have a copy of that data in B and that cop, that, that B copy is continuously, for lack of a better word, updated to be the same exact thing as what's in A. Yeah. So going to Curtis's disaster recovery scenario, right? Something happens on system A, right? System B has a version of what system A looked like at a point in time, and you can fail over to system B. And that's how you're instantly up and running because system B looked like system A. I think one thing we should also cover, which I want to talk about earlier, I know you threw out the term recovery time objective. I think another point to talk about here is also recovery point objective, right? Yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah. You brought it up. So yes, in the case of when you're doing synchronous replication, yes, there's still going to be an RTO on that, but that RTO you should be able to measure in seconds to minutes, depending on how long it takes you to bring up system B and make it available for your applications and other things. So that's kind of like right. RTO side. Do you want to talk about the RPO, Curtis? Yeah. So the RPO is is basically the amount of data that you agree that you can lose, right? The recovery point objective is we say we can lose an hour's worth of data. We can lose a day's worth of data. We, we can only lose five minutes worth of data. This is you're setting your recovery point objective. What To what point must you recover? And the fastest RPOs in the business are going to come from these types of products that we're going to talk about in the next couple episodes, the first of which being uh, replication. With, a, with a, you know, a replication system, you could get an RPO. Uh, you could meet an RPO that's as close to zero as possible. I've actually right? seen zero. You, yeah, I, I'm sure you can do zero. It's just that. So, so I'm going to talk about right? So it's... In a very, very unique case, so I don't know if you're aware of this, there is a mode on some systems called domino mode. It's out there in the industry, mm-hmm. right? And basically what you're saying is every time I accept a write on system A, I'm yeah. going to make sure it's replicated. It hits system B. It's acknowledged yeah. before system A acknowledges a client. In this yeah. case, so you're guaranteeing every single write. It's like a two-phase commit for yeah. storage. Yep. Right. A two-phase commit is a term from database um, world, which makes sure that it's written both to the log and it's written to the, you know, before you acknowledge that the the transaction has has happened. It's high latency, very expensive. But if you have those requirements, there is an option. But like you said, most people will. So the question is, what matters more to you, performance or never losing any data? Yep. Right. So speaking of which... Let's talk about the difference between synchronous replication and asynchronous replication. Um, synchronous is basically what you just described that, um, well, it's not necessarily what you just yeah, described. Not it's fully just, to domino mode. We are, going to, we are going to replicate every byte as it's happening, right? And, and literally every single, you know, the moment it, a, a change happens here, the rep the change is going to be replicated to the to the destination to the target. Yep. Right. And um the the good side of synchronous replication is you're going to have the smallest RPOs possible. Mm-hmm. Right. Including I, I guess I I I I guess I was aware of it. I didn't know that 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 I didn't know the term dominant mode, yep. but but I was aware of that that idea. <laughs> the 
this is going to give you your your tightest uh, RPOs possible. The challenge with uh, this is a little thing called the speed of light. <laughs> so <laughs> the um, it takes a so you know one of the things that we that we know is that we want the recovery copy to be some distance away from the primary. Not copy. in the same rack. Not in the same rack, not in the same town. Um, there are sadly some stories from 9-11 where there were companies that had their hot site, which was a synchronously replicated copy of their data in the uh, other tower. Yep. And so there were companies that ceased to exist on 9-11 because they lost both their primary and their secondary copy, right? You don't want to have the, the two copies in the same place where uh, a disaster could wipe out the entire town, a flood, uh, earthquake, whatever. And so you want to have some distance between uh, the, the two. Now, after 9-11, the, I, d- I don't know which, um, which governmental organization, but after 9-11, the, the Fed, the federal government, not the Fed, <laughs> when we say the Fed, or you know what I mean? The federal government started to dictate that a recover that that a that a synchronous copy of the data needed to be stored more than it was like 250 miles yeah. and and everybody basically came back and said that's not really feasible yeah. it's possible but not feasible because going 250 miles at the speed of light every single time you replicate every single time you update a block on every piece of storage um basically really pulls down the um, performance the performance of the primary system. Yeah. And the other thing to also mention is when you're doing synchronous replication, you want to make sure that your destination system, right, your replica copy is as performant as your primary copy, yeah. right? Because otherwise, yeah. if it starts to lag and slow down, eventually you're going to start falling further and further behind. And usually these technologies, after a while, they'll just stop accepting writes and they'll kind of fall back into like an asynchronous mode and have to then catch back up, right? Which you don't want because that affects yeah. your RPO. Yeah, you don't want, yeah. So, yeah, so it's got to be basically the same, if not better performance on the the backup system, which is crazy talk to most people yeah. <laughs> right um but that but that is if you want an rpo of zero synchronous replication is literally your only choice yep right yep. let's talk about asynchronous replication and that is basically not that <laughs> so we're we're not we're going to build essentially a buffer uh of rights as the yep. you know and, and we try to not let the buffer get full, right? The, basically, the, what it does is it disconnects the, the rights on the other side with the rights on this side. Yep. We may and will try to keep up with the pace, but rights can continue to update. And you might get a spur of rights uh, on, the, on the primary side, and then they fill up the buffer, and then you know the, the buffer gets emptied. And that I think works as long as essentially your you know your bandwidth and your latency is is sufficient. Um, and but go ahead. And I just want to chime in that I know you called it async, and async threw me for a while because 
in my mind, async is different, but that's just based on my background, right? Um, okay. Other vendors might refer to this as like semi-synchronous, right? Where it is not fully synchronous, right? But it's well, not. And it's not synchronous. Asynchronous means I know, not synchronous. I know, I know, but this is just some vendor. So if you are looking at vendor terminology, right, and looking at their vendor technical specs, what? so here's a question for you, Curtis. What are some things that a user can look at for a vendor's technical specs to determine if they support async replication, like what we're talking about right now? Well, I mean... I, I don't know what other words they would use to describe it. So I know NetApp uses semi-synchronous for what you're describing. Whatever. I know. I, I'm that, just... That's, just mar- that's just marketing BS, okay? <laughs> it's either synchronous or it's not synchronous. You're either replicating everything as it's happening or you're not, okay? Like, so the question is, so the question to the vendor, it's not, is can my target copy ever get behind my primary copy? Right. Yep. And, and the answer is yes. And it's like, well, well, how much are we talking? Right. So the question is, because that's going to determine your that, Yep. So that's actually right? the key. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you can build up a buffer of an hour of changes, you could lose an hour of changes on the, on the target end if you lost your primary. Yeah. Right. Um, so but what, if, what if you said like, I want, so, okay. So then I'll take back my comment. In your mind, though, if I said I want to have a replica copy updated and my RPO is eight hours, that's still async? Well, what else would you call it? Okay. No, just just checking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you're either synchronous or you're not, okay. right? So then, like- so then I take back my comments, right? So if I look specifically, okay. that, that's why I just wanted to make sure. You stand corrected, sir. Yes. So if I look at... Sorry, I used to, I'm more familiar with NetApp and NetApp's replication technologies, right? But if I look at NetApp, right, they have synchronous, which we talked about, which matches perfectly with what we were talking about. Right. They have semi-sync, where it allows some amount of lag. I think it's up to 60 seconds. Right. Right. But it does like what you said, buffering. And then they have sort of their async, right, where it allows you to go beyond, I think it's from five minutes to, you could set a replication every five minutes to days. Yeah. And those are just two different, those are just both asynchronous with different settings as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, And and you could also, like if you were a NetApp, and I don't think they do it like this, but if you waited until you took a snapshot and then replicated only the bits necessary for that snapshot, that's still kind of asynchronous that's just a technology that's a means yeah but generally here we're not talking about snapshots and things because that's what we're going to talk about in a following episode generally what we're talking about is two you know block devices (laughs) that are being continuously updated to be exactly the same with possibly a lag if there's a lag then it's asynchronous if there's no lag then it's synchronous does it have to be Da, 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 so I'm going to ask another question. So and you are difficult. I know I am. So you said block devices. Would you consider anything that also replicates a VM at a VM block level? Yeah. Yeah. To also I mean, in a- the end, it's still a block device underneath. Okay. 
right? It's not what we're replicating. It's just that um, we don't we don't have this conversation when we're talking about object. Yeah, or files, right? We don't we don't that well even even file replication. We don't really talk about synchronous and asynchronous when we do file replication. I don't think. I think that's always asynchronous. At least I don't think so. I think this is generally a block discussion, right? I, I, there may be exceptions to that rule, but generally this is a block discussion. Even if this is a NetApp, right? Really what you're replicating underneath the NetApp is file. It's a file device, but underneath you're replicating blocks. Um, yeah. Yeah. All that, all that discussion just from one word. Um, so you can also have a hybrid of these two things. Can you think of an example of that? Yeah. So take your bank example, right? So you're a financial customer in New York. You want to make sure that your data is synchronously protected to someplace nearby. So maybe you go over the river to New Jersey using synchronous replication. And now you need to make sure that you're protected in case something happens in the East Coast. And so you might use async replication and send that copy off to, say, Utah. Is that when we go through the woods? Yes. <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. Over, over the river and through the woods? Um, yeah. So you might. And that was, I remember back in the day, we had a synchronous copy that was literally like right next door. Yeah. I mean, literally. And when I say next door, I mean, like, it's the next rack over. Um, that was uh, like an asy or a synchronous replication. And then uh, actually, what you remember, Symmetrics and, yep. or, or EMC and, and NetApp, they, you'd have like three, you'd have like four storage arrays, right? You'd have the- Oh, you can have, have a primary, lot more, yeah. You'd have the synchronous that was right next to it, the asynchronous that was down the street, and then another yep. asynchronous that was the other, yeah. And sometimes there are customers who could use it for like data distribution use cases, right? So I need to make yeah, sure that, that yeah. my database yeah. is available locally in different countries. So I'm just going to replicate it all. Yeah. So synchronous, both forms of replication have a lot more applications than just backup and yeah. recovery. Right. Right. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned, you know, or you asked me about VMs. There is another... Um, not file and not VM thing that gets replicated, which is very, where we still have sort of the same discussion about synchronous versus asynchronous, and that is databases. Application level, synchronous. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'd say that in that case, basically, when we... Again, that can definitely have two-phase commit, right? Mm -hmm. So in the database world, you're replicating a transaction mm -hmm. or, or something. I, I don't have a better word. I, yeah. I know not every database has transactions, but I don't have a better word for that. It's a, the atomic you're unit, whatever it is. Or sorry, the unit. Yeah, of whatever. an atomic unit of a thing. You changed a thing in the database, right? And you're replicating that rather than the blocks underneath. And well, you could be replicating the blocks underneath, and that's what we're talking about over here. But at this point, we're talking about database level, application level replication. And when you do that, you have the choice of either immediate consistency or eventual consistency, which is essentially analogous to synchronous and asynchronous, yep. right? And and what made me think about it was when you were talking about that there are other uh, reasons that people replicate, and 
um, there are databases that allow replicating data, you know, across the world. Mm -hmm. And the best example that a lot of people are used to is the DNS database, right? Yep. That is an eventually consistent replicated um, <laughs> system. If you've never, if you've never made changes to DNS, let me tell you, it can take a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I recently, literally in the last week or two, I've been making changes to uh, various websites that I own to you know change their uh, DNS entries and CNAME entries and things like that. And they don't all immediately happen. Um, they eventually get there, really, but... What's that? Yeah, they will eventually get there. That is essentially the database equivalent to, um, to uh, asynchronous replication. Now, let me ask you a question. Prasanna, mm -hmm. if replication is so amazing and we can have the tightest RPOs and, and, and I, I think we can agree that tighter RPOs are better than looser RPOs, yep. right? A RPO of zero or a minute is way better than an RPO of 36 hours, yep. which is what we typically get with a backup system. Why don't we do replication for everything? And by the way, money is not the issue. You knew what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> right? not, well, it is an issue yeah. besides money, right? Well, so, because replication is expensive. Yeah. So the Why biggest, don't we do that? So the biggest problem with replication is for most of the replication technologies, when you replicate it, you only have that one copy on your target system, right? Yeah. And so if you had a user who dropped a database table and you replicated that command over to your replica, guess what? It gets dropped on your replica as well, and you have no ability to recover. And exactly. so that's one exactly. of the biggest limitations of relying on replication at least and the same would be true of any change on the on the primary system which includes things like ransomware yep right so if there's a if there's a hacker goes in and deletes all your tables or just you know corrupts your your data deletes all your files whatever it just if a virus does it whatever whatever you know if there's any kind of cyber attack on the primary system it simply makes that attack more efficient yeah and right because the entire purpose of replication is to create a duplicate copy on your target system right so immediately available yeah right you asked for an rpo of zero you're going to get an rpo of zero yeah now right now I will say, I will put a caveat that wait until we talk about snapshots, we will come back to this specific point. Right, right. right. But there, for, there are yeah. there are back backup data protection based systems that use replication at their core and don't have this problem. This is just just replication, right? It's like, why don't we use RAID for everything? And then we don't need backup. Well, same exact reasons, yep. right? Exactly. Uh, RAID does help with media failure and equipment failure and um, site failure and power failure and, 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 and. But, but it is completely <laughs> defenseless against cyber attacks and stupidity. Yep. <laughs> or logic issues. Well, I'm just yeah. you're being nice. See, this is why this is. You're well, I was thinking software bugs, not user logic. Oh, okay. Well, that's still stupidity. Yeah. It's just uh, yeah. you know different. <laughs> it's 
person who, who made the bug. Um, well, this has been fun. Uh, but yeah, th- this whole thing of um, this idea that replication is where we're continuously updating the data. Now, now that you see like this idea of, of um, you know, why we were wrestling over the word continuous, right? Because is asynchronous continuous? I think it's still a continuous process. Yeah. It's just continuous with an asterisk. Yes. <laughs> continuous with, with, with a buffer. Um, and I think that, well, in fact, I know that replication today is way better than it was back in the day. You Back in the day, you had to have the same vendor on both sides. It, it, it sold a lot of EMC, yep. right? You had to have the same vendor because the replication was based on the box. Yep. And now there are a number of products, one of which we've had on here, right? We had DataCore on here, which which does replication between, you know, dif- uh, disparate, different architectures. You can have a very expensive primary system and a less expensive target system. You can use it as a way to upgrade and move your technology. You can move your older systems to be the target system, knowing that if you need to use it in a disaster, you will suffer a performance loss, but you don't have to, like you did back in the day. It's you not an outage. You know, when you have primary, you don't have to have the same, you know, and so you get you cost savings. Yeah. You don't have to do it that way, but it gives you the flexibility. Um, and I think that modern day replication systems are much more forgiving of things like, you know, outages and, and things like that. Right. Um, and, but, you know, but they still don't protect you from, you know, mistakes and cyber attacks, which is why we have to talk about the alternatives, which we'll do on later episodes. But uh, so you were you were unusually not unusually you were excessively argumentative in this episode. <laughs> this, but I thank you anyway. That, that, that I try. I basically spent all my almost all my career working on replication technology. So yeah, and and I I yeah, you worked at a company that was like that was trying to say, well, there's asynchronous and there's near synchronous, and I'm like, those are two words for asynchronous. Yes. As I was editing this episode, I realized that. I was being a little too pedantic about continuous or not continuous. The thing with replication that really sets it apart from other data protection technologies is one is that the copy is an actual copy. It is a, it looks exactly like the original and like what we do in the backup world where we tend to put stuff in a container or something like that. Um, That's one big thing that separates replication from other backup technologies. And then also the idea is that it is it is incrementally updating, that whenever we do it, whether it's continuous, asynchronous, or even periodic, uh, I, I really forgot uh, about how, like there are vendors like NetApp that actually do periodic replication. There's nothing wrong with periodic replication. It's still replication. Um, so you've got continuous, asynchronous, and then periodic. The, what what sets replication apart from everything else is this, whenever we do the next replication, 
what we're doing is we're transferring the 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 things, whether it's database records or blocks, we're transferring the things that have changed since the last time we replicated. So I hope that <laughs> helps unmuddy the waters just a little bit. You're either synchronous or you're not. Just like in a following episode, we will talking about we will be talking about you're either continuous or you're not continuous, <laughs> right? Um, we're going to talk about a term near continuous, which I actually coined, but uh, a lot of people think isn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, I believe think, in that. They're like, you can't have that again. They'll say that continuous is a spectrum um, is, is, is a binary uh, condition. So anyway, well, um, I want to, again, uh, say thank you to our listeners. You are why we do this. Remember, this is an independent podcast and the, the opinions that you hear are ours. I hope this episode has been helpful. That's a wrap. Good.